The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. The Steelmen are thinking about this right now as they look to hire an athletic child who will turn into an athletic man in the NFL draft. So when you need to find that next person to help grow your business, LinkedIn Jobs will be the guys to match the right talent with your open role fast. Have you ever heard of LinkedIn, Dad? I may have. You know why? Because you're a winner. You're a winner. And winners go through LinkedIn because they find not murderers, but qualified job applicants, and they link you up with them. They screen candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job first in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn. Wait, someone just got hired right now. This is why LinkedIn is ranked the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. So, it's time for you to find the right person. Do it today. Guess what? You gotta pay what you want. You get the first 50 bucks off with LinkedIn Jobs. Just visit linkedin.com slash team. Again, that's linkedin.com slash team to get 50 bucks off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. agency has seen the Steelers tranquilized as we rummage through the laundry bin that is the XFL to uncover a potential accoutrement to its current assemblage of starters. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's March 29th, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios at the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And man, I wish my computer didn't freeze because all my notes are right there. So, uh, as I mentioned, there, uh, there are a number of XFL signings. One guy, actually, we're bringing back, who we, we saw last year, um, long snapper Christian Kuntz of Duquesne. Yeah. So, interesting timing, right, with the long snapper when they just extend, extended long snapper Cameron Kennedy. But I guess a good way to start with this episode would be to say, um, I mean, your intro summed up the whole thing, right? The Steelers had a frenzy of activity with... I'd say what would be a shocking signing in Eric Ebron last week. Obviously made a bunch of different signings, kind of surprised a lot of people on uh, how they were able to clean up during that period. And then Kevin Colbert came out in the media and pretty much told everybody, hey, it's done. Don't look for anything else. We're not doing much else. And I think it was that same day when they made some XFL signings. Obviously those aren't things to write home about, but they got, who was it, Jaron Jones, an offensive tackle, Tyree Kinnell, safety, you're going to see a lot more safeties brought in over the next few months, I think, despite that inactive uh, period Kevin Colbert reference that we're going to be seeing right now. Uh, defensive tackle, 
Kavon, Kavon Walker, and then like Savon. you said, this Christian Kunz. Savon? No. Are you, you don't know how many. You don't know how long it took me to find a pronunciation of his name because all the highlight tapes are just music. So Savon, like the C-A- French pronunciation. Vion. Savon. Perfect. Yeah, so they're bringing in some XFL guys. Uh, they had some success last year. Was was um, Cameron Kelly? Was he an AAF guy? I think he was from an AAF guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow, the thing. I can't even remember when that league existed at that point. But the Steelers had a lot of success last time they brought someone into the uh, from the XFL MVP champion, on, the only champion in the history of the, the XFL, by the way, since it got derailed again by Corona here. Uh, Tommy Maddox came in. That's the last guy that they got. So if that's any indication. I think an N of one is always a good thing to extrapolate, and we can assume big things from Savon, Christian, Jaron, and Tyree. Uh, we're also looking to extend Cam Hayward's contract. We're looking for some news on that, but uh, they say there's going to be a deal soon, uh, so we'll watch for that. Okay, Steelers, so two, two, two on, things. What were you going to say? Sorry. I said just depending on your source, the Steelers are about have about $7 million left on their cap, and what do you need for the draft? A couple, two and a half, two and a half million to sign your um, draftees, and we're going to have one less than usual this year. So I think now that Kevin Colbert has admitted that they've pretty much finished the big shopping and free agency, pretty much all teams have, um, there's an interesting sort of dynamic going on right now with there are some certain star players with injury problems who are free agents right now, like Judevion Clowney. He still hasn't signed uh, as of the time of taping this podcast, but... A lot of that is because, well, Cam Newton's the other big one. We'll talk about him today. But these guys aren't getting signed because with the corona stuff going on right now, teams cannot bring these guys in for medical visits. And so the Carolina Panthers a week or so ago gave Cam uh, like an exit exam medically and said that he's all good to go, everybody. Trade him. Trade us a first rounder. We're ready. Yeah, nope. Everything ship shape with the guy who's been injured for two years straight and whose entire game relies upon his physical strength. He's good. Can we check him out? Nope, don't worry. We already did it. He's good to go. Well, yeah, these guys don't want to sign players with huge injury histories like Clowney, who's one of the best players in the whole NFL, but he's injured basically half the time he's played in the NFL. And then Cam Newton... It's a similar thing. He's been injured recently. So uh, some of these guys, uh, we'll see what happens, I guess, after the dust settles. But, yeah, the Steelers aren't looking to be active, really, more in free agency right now. And I guess I'd say this. They did a miraculous job minimizing the number of, like, disaster positions in terms of starters and depth. You know, after they lost Finney and Foster, you said, wow, the offensive line just became a real issue, especially the guard position. And then they got Wisniewski, and he's a swing guard guard center, so he fills that position that Finney had, which gave the Steelers a lot of comfort. You know, it's like if you have Pouncey miss a game or if it was Foster missing a game, you had a guy who, like, either way, you knew you were covered because Finney could play both positions. So you did that with Wisniewski. Um... Obviously, Ebron coming in with the tight ends, that's no longer a desperate need in the draft, which would be a real problem drafting a number 49. Like, the chances of you finding a real starting tight end at that point are almost nothing, really. Not a guy who's going to contribute immediately. And I think that they've done uh, a good job 
um, like shoring up the depth, but there are two big holes, and it's they still don't have a backup safety. Because for you guys who think Jordan Dangerfield's a backup safety, he's not. I mean, he's a special teams guy. You can't have him on the field. And Cam Kelly, as we mentioned before, he's a disaster when he's on the field as well. And then they still don't have an edge rusher. So how do you think that they handled, like, not to give them a letter grade, but how would you, like, grade the Steelers' performance there? Because I guess for me, I I don't have a – like, you weren't going to be able to fill every hole – and it sucks that they don't get an edge rusher, but I feel like they controlled what they could control in like offensive line and tight end, where it's a little bit more difficult and more expensive to get a hold of edge rushers. Although I am surprised they didn't sign a safety, but it seems like every year we think they're going to sign a safety and they never do. Well, I, I have to say, I'm, well, I always start with the offensive line, and yeah. I, I think they did it. You know, maybe a better job than I would have thought they could losing Finney. I mean, yeah. and Ramon. I mean, those are two building blocks on the team, so. I think, you know, very happy with the way they constructed that. My concerns are um, because you've got to protect Ben. I mean, this is a guy who's, I mean, his mobility's, you know, not what it was, obviously. And he's coming back after a season having not played. So I think they made the moves where they had to. We'll see if they get any new guys in the draft. And let's talk a little bit more about where we think positions of need are standing today. Right. So that's... um Obviously, yeah, edge rusher and safety are going to be big. But the Steelers are in an interesting position, like we said last week, where they have a lot of flexibility for who they can take. But before maybe we get into our predictions of you know, which position they're going to take, which positions are the deepest, I, I like what you said there about needing to protect Ben. Because if, this, if, the, salary, if the salary cap didn't exist... You know, every fan could whine about how their team isn't getting X position, you know, filled with whatever type of player you want. I think, you know, teams are built to play a certain way. For example, the Baltimore Ravens are a running football team. And that's not to say that Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball. I mean, he can definitely throw, but if he couldn't run, he's not, you're not putting him as a top 10 quarterback. Are you putting him as an NFL quarterback? Yeah, he can throw. But he's not going to sit in there and pick you apart. So what the Ravens do is they make sure they have the most massive set of offensive linemen that they possibly can have so that that run game can can go through that. And so that's a maybe having those big hulking linemen is a bigger priority for them as opposed to like a Seattle who has Russell Wilson and clearly doesn't make offensive line a priority. Would you like to? Yes, you would, but you only have so much money, right? And Russ can kind of negate a bad offensive line like Ben Roethlisberger used to do. Um, as long as you have a couple of good guys, you can get by with that. Um, and then with you know Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, they also like to have a running back who can really pound the ball, who can take a beating. That's why they went out there and they got Mark Ingram. And that's what I think the Steelers need to accept with Ben in his elderly years. You need to prioritize that line, and I think that they did that. So that's a, that's a good idea based on who they have on their team already, right? Yeah, and I guess the other thing you need to look at is whether or not you know, your running backs can block. I don't know. I don't think Watt was brought in yeah. to replace Roosevelt Knicks one-on-one. I think Rosie's sort of you know, just not dependable enough to stay on the field the whole time. I think everybody thought he could block. Uh, but again, the fullback, I don't know what percentage of the time they're on the field. But... Um, not a high percentage so, for the Steelers. No, I guess I, I'm sort of talking in a circular way, but your running backs have to be able to protect Ben, too. What do you think about the blocking ability after Connor? 
I think that uh, Samuel's. Yeah, he's a disaster, but Con- Connor's was or Connor was a disaster his rookie year as well. That's why he stopped getting carries uh, to spell Le'Veon in his rookie year, and then Connor became an excellent blocking back. So you have hope there, but I don't. I'm not big on Samuel's in in general. Like I said, I've always had a thought. Of, you don't want to talk trash about players. You feel bad. Samuels has done some good things. But I think the worst thing that happened was him having that big game against the Patriots, which maybe convinced team, like fans of the team or the team themselves that this guy's a real running back, when in, in reality I think that there are a lot of running backs you could have plugged in that game to run through those gaping holes they had with that toss counter play, right? I was always upset when they drafted Samuels because they drafted him because they wanted a running back who could catch. So they drafted a slow guy who's not a running back and he's not a tight end because he can catch instead of just drafting a running back who can catch, of which there are many now. This isn't the old days when Marshall Falk was playing like, and can you believe he can catch a swing pass? Like everyone can catch now. They're they're everywhere. So I always dislike that. If you're going to get a playmaker – like, which was their goal for Samuels, the dude better be fast as hell. And he is not fast as hell. In fact, he is slow. But he d- he does show some smoothness with his running. But really, to, enter, to answer your question about the blocking, yeah, he leaves something to be desired. Benny Stone was a rookie, but I, he just strikes me as a guy, as a power player. He would be a good blocker once he gets the hang of it. But I think... What was it? Wait, hold on, let me... Let me double back real quick. What was I going to say about um, what were we talking about before the running backs? We were talking about the block. And I was we just saying about the, is when you talk about protection, you're talking about the offensive line. Uh, I guess tight ends are offensive line point B, but the running backs are, are sort oh, of highlighted. Right. And you were talking about Derek Watt. So, yeah, when they signed him, I don't think it was so much. Yeah, I agree. It's not like a one on one to replace Rosie. It was just a value thing where, you know, you were losing a big special teams player in Dirty Red. And you could sort of knock out two birds with one stone uh, by getting Watt in there. And I have been, I have always thought, like, it doesn't matter what the Steelers should do. Like, if you look at the late career of John Elway or Peyton Manning, another Bronco at that time, who, when they got into their last year, the team did shift into a running offense. Tom Brady. Nobody will ever admit this for the rest of their lives because everybody smokes crack. But Tom Brady was okay in the playoffs and the season where they just beat the Rams in the Super Bowl two years ago. He wasn't bad. He was a good complimentary quarterback on a team that was running the ball 40 times a game. And then when it came time for Tom Brady to make the crucial throws at the end of the game, he did it because he's a great quarterback. So what I'm trying to say is it seems like when your quarterback is getting up there, you should transition into that running offense where you reduce the amount that the star quarterback has to carry the team. So, like, it's a little weird with Ben because the last time he played, you know, 2018, he was still carrying the team. And a lot of people want to bitch and moan about the interceptions he threw, but he didn't throw more inter- – he, he threw for more yards than he ever did in his career, almost more touchdowns, and so the interceptions went up. Everything just went up. Like relative to where it was, it was a normal Ben season. His like touchdown interception ratio was relatively similar. His yards per attempt, his completion percentage, everything was just upped because they threw the ball more times. So if he picks up like from that point, then you don't really need to run through the run game. He can still sling it all over the yard. But my question with them is, I always wonder like when they get to the point 
where it would be wise for the Steelers to go through the run game and have Ben throw 24 times a game instead of 34. Like, will they do it, or will he just want to keep you know playing in shotgun and that can limit your personnel, you know, flexibility. You can't really have a full back that back there. Or will they transition to being like, hey, we're going to run under center a little bit more. We're going to put Derek Watt on the field a little bit more. We're going to put extra tight ends on the field. We're going to run more play action. Steelers run less play action than any team in the league. I mean, it's it's been four years running of that. So will they do it? And I'm wondering now. I mean, maybe they will. You know, maybe they are are thinking like, hey, we want to bolster up in the backfield that way. And, you know, we have two tight ends here, granted one of them, and Ebron doesn't really block a lot. But it will be interesting to see if they could transition to that because they have a defense now. And maybe they could be a ball control team with, uh, um, you know, some deep shots here or there and try and – and then trying to hold people on defense. But I, I, I don't know. My prediction has always been, no, they won't do that. But I guess the draft will tell us. That's where we land. No. <laughs> you, you don't think so? I think so it's going to be So why don't you think away. so? I just haven't seen it before. That's all. Yeah. I'm going to go by a history and just, you know, will, will Ben want to come in and prove that he can throw? And what if, what if he legitimately it doesn't hurt him anymore? And who was I listening to yesterday? Ledger. John Legend oh, yeah, was John saying you know, there's sort of this fallacy that quarterbacks' arm strength declines over time. He said, you know, Peyton Manning is an example. Of that That's a guy who hurt his neck. But the, generally, quarterbacks' arm strength stays the same. So if Ben feels good, he'll be able to throw it. And it's, it's a matter of accuracy, and we all know he needs exactly um, three games before he yeah. starts throwing anything over 10 yards accurately. Well, another but person I think made come a good point. God. It, no, Chris Sims saying, actually that, said this about Ben. Like, Ben doesn't throw in the offseason because Sims did an interview with him before this past season. And it was funny because Sims made a comment about it, the big ice that he had on, his, had on his shoulder and he thought that was weird. And I thought nothing of it. Turns out it was, you know, trying or not on his shoulder, on his elbow. You know, he was already uh, feeling the pain from that thing. But he said Ben doesn't throw in the offseason. So in a weird way that this could actually be a positive that now he has to throw in the offseason. So maybe it'll only take him two games instead of the regular three. But you're right. Um, Quarterbacks with good throwing motions, their arm doesn't go away. Like Brady's still got a cannon. Now people with who didn't have great arms to begin with, Drew Brees, people with a really bad throwing motion like Phillip Rivers, their arms have declined. They can't. They've because Drew Brees has to. He's had to struggle. You know, he has to put so much more into it to get the velocity on the ball and the distance on the ball. Obviously, as accurate as anybody's ever been, but you know that has worn him down over time. Rodgers, Roethlisberger, you know Matt Stafford, Brady, they're going to be able to chuck the ball forever. The big thing that happens with these older quarterbacks is can their body take the punishment of the hits and that's what's happened with Brady the past couple years in New England is he doesn't hang in quite as long as he used to to take the big hits so that would be the question with Ben too and like you know the further they go if they take a sack now they're out for two games whereas before they were able to take the hit and just you know lead the team to a touchdown drive so it is interesting, and we haven't seen it before, except for, what was that, 2017 season or 2016 when they rode Le'Veon Bell, and they really did turn to a running team all the way to the AFC Championship game, and the interesting thing was Ben did not play well during that stretch. He was throwing a lot of interceptions, and he's better when he can be loose and like play in shotgun and get a rhythm going. So can he 
adapt to that different style of football where like you kind of get cold handoff handoff punt wait and then when the time comes hey we need you to deliver this 30 yard in cut on a dime on a third down and six like can you make it happen it's not as easy as it sounds so i would be curious um to see what they end up doing with this and i guess we'll see and the draft will, will tell us a little bit about that so you we may disagree on what the Steelers' position of greatest need is. You're talking about safety, I assume, still. Um, and greatest. Let's let's face it. There, there. The the great thing about next year is there. There's not a great need at, from, from the starting lineup standpoint. We're talking about right. depth right now. Right, right, right. And my well, fear is less at safety than it is at linebacker, both inside and middle line. You know, interior linebackers because you know you do have so for safeties you've got Minka Terrell Edmonds I know you said don't put Jordan Dangerfield on the field you also have Marcus Allen who could you know potentially back us up but I think you know that um is Bud going to be there next I mean Bud is so at risk after after his one year with his franchise tag and then you've got You've got nothing on the nothing. on the edge. You got so then we have Robert Spillane, Tuzar Skipper, and Ole Adenier. Ole Adenier. Yeah, well, Ulysses Gilbert, who we, we have no idea. Preseason. Well, Ulysses yeah, Gilbert, Gilbert, inside linebacker, right? Um, like I'm, you were saying, I'm, and I think there. Mm-hmm. I think that whole middle line is is at risk. Yeah, and I think that some of those names will piss off some Steelers fans who love Skipper and love Ola, and I love I love those guys too. And I, I really have been excited about Ulysses Gilbert, like a 4-3, 4-4 linebacker. But you got to understand, I mean, there's a reason why these guys would dominate the preseason and they can't even get their hands on an offensive player when the offense when the uh, when, you know, when the regular season comes around, and there's a reason why some of these guys were drafted so low or not drafted at all, when you're talking about Skipper and um, Ola, they're just not that big and fast. They, and like When you play edge, there's just a certain amount of physical talent required. And hopefully they continue to develop, and they definitely can because they have football skills, they have passer skills, but they're not something that the Steelers can say they can rely on when it comes to a backup player. Now, Gilbert's interesting because he has the physical talent. He has speed that you just cannot create. Now, his college tape is just littered with missed tackles. But that's something we're like, well, that might be a diamond in the rough because this guy has the physical ability to make plays with the best of them, right? And by the way, the days are gone of those like inside linebackers who are just thumpers, like LeVon Kirkland, where you can have a big guy just be big in there. The game is too fast now. It moves horizontal more. You need um, some type of speed at basically every position. So, yeah, I, I actually I agree with what you're saying. I don't know if it's safety, edge rusher, or inside linebacker, which needs the help the most, but they all need a lot of help. And... You could, and, and even running back to me is a worrisome position. But luckily, running back's the easiest position like to deal with because if you have a good offensive line, you can plug literally anybody back there, and they'll do at least all right. Rather than you know, an edge rusher will get shut out of a game like if because he's playing one on one with a tackle, you know. So they will. I assume they'll go best position available at one of those spots. The Bud thing's weird because you think you're going to have him for one year. There is rumor of them going running back in the second 
round, which could be really exciting, if, especially if there was like a Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin available, a real star who I think there's an argument for picking there because then you can get yourself a Le'Veon Bell. And then you saw what happened in the playoff run that I was just referencing. If you get a real star running back, I'm talking like a Le'Veon type of guy, like Ezekiel Elliott. I'm not talking like Singletary for the Bills, who's like a really good running back. Or maybe even James Conner for the Steelers, really good running back. Um, But like if you get like a beast, you can just ride that guy. But there's just so many good running backs you can get in the third and fourth and even fifth rounds who can start as rookies where it's just, you know, you can't find starters or second stringers at edge rusher really later in those rounds. So it'll be so interesting to see who they take in the second round. It is. My fear is that this is a very thin edge rush class, but it is a pretty deep linebacker class. So you talk about you right. know best available. My guess is it will be linebacker. I don't know if I'm right about that. I mean, that's just the way I see it. It just looks like once you know Bud's got one more year, and if he has a year like he had this last year, uh, yeah. his stock price is just going to go up. And will the Steelers pay for that? Here's the interesting thing about safety is out of all of those positions, the third safety is going to play probably a little bit more than the third edge rusher and the third middle linebacker. Now, those guys can play a lot, too, because you need a third edge rusher. Like, you can't just have Bud and TJ taking every single snap. So so maybe, you know, the third safety would play equally as the third edge rusher. But if you have another safety... So many teams, we've talked about it for like three years, right? We thought like Cam Kelly was going to be that guy. They thought maybe William Gay could like move to that role. But you know you can play those dime positions. And then it would give you the freedom to move Minka around a little bit more. Because, you know, we've seen everything we need to see from Terrell Edmonds playing deep safety. He's literally allergic to making plays on the ball. But the safety is interesting because you can plug them in and sort of enhance the starting defense. Whereas, and, and also, by the way, with safety, you, it's, it's like a devalued position in the draft. You need those, you know, edge rushers, quarterbacks, offensive tackles. Those guys go early because, like I was saying, you just need a certain amount of physical freakiness to be able to compete at those positions. So there could be six, seven offensive tackles taken in the first round. The best edge rusher is usually, you know, they'll go in the first round as well. And so by the time you pick in the second round at number 49, you're down to the 10th best edge rusher, but the the third best safety might still be available. So even just from a value perspective, you could get a guy who's maybe just a better prospect and then someone who gets on the field right away and maybe someone else who can open up Minka's possible, your best, you know, defensive player besides TJ and Kim. He could open up his possibilities. But then, like you said, I mean, damn, so can so can an edge rusher. It can give TJ a little break here or there. So you can't go wrong either way. But it is interesting that the, those positions are pretty terrifying when you go past the first line. You know what really scares me is if Bud leaves, you know, I would want to be – probably have to go into free agency to get a, a, a good defensive edge. Next, you know you for cap- next year? For for 2021. Right. But but Ben is going to soak up so much of the cap. He'll he'll account for $41 million of the cap in 2021 if they don't restructure. And if if he retires after that, there's no restructuring. All his money will come due. Right. It's breathtaking how much money he's going to take. 
Well, it's worth every damn penny. I'll tell you that much. That's what you pay when you want a legend, when you want a star who's going to lead you down the field. But uh, how do you? How do you? How does a team? How can a team get a rookie, a great rookie quarterback, win for four of his first five years, and then tank in the fifth <laughs> year so they can get another rookie quarterback that they can afford? I would. I would just love to see that that that, that day actually occur. But uh, there's a reason why they get paid the most. It is by far the most difficult position in all of professional sports. That's why they get paid the big bucks. And, uh, yeah, it's hard to find those guys. Now, it is – when you say that, by the way, I know this isn't the same situation, but with the Patriots signing Bre- uh, Brian Hoyer for the third time, I am terrified that they're going to find a way to tank and get Trevor Lawrence and it's going to be another 20 years of Belichick and he's going to be in a walker <laughs> winning AFC championship games. But, uh, yeah, either way, I guess that kind of – you know, th- those are some interesting positions. And, and, and even if you're drafting a ba- a technical backup in the second round, those are all positions where, you know, the, if you're doing an inside linebacker or an edge rusher, he might be a starter by the second year. What if you do find a stud safety? I, I don't think that Terrell Edmonds should be considered totally safe. I do think that he, he'll keep improving. He was a raw prospect to begin with. Do I hate taking him in the first round? Yes, but he can still be a player who's developing. But, you know, any of those guys could get on the field. That's interesting. The running back or the receiver thing, that's obviously obviously could be a sexy pick. Receiver is also another position where you're really lacking in depth. Now, I anyone who doesn't feel great about Juju, I don't know what to tell you. Either you don't like Juju or you're comparing him to maybe the best receiver in the history of the NFL for a, high, for a five-year span, which is Antonio Brown. But this guy's a number one receiver. Is he the number one receiver we're used to having? No, he's not quite A-B, but he's like Hines or above a Hines level, and we saw how well that did with us. So you got, you got Juju. I think you also have to feel great about Deontay Johnson. I mean, this guy, he, he has stud written all over him, and he really came on for the second half of the year. James Washington is always going to be the weirdo because he's the deep threat that's not fast, but we saw him tear it up in the preseason, and you and I kept, kept tabs on him the whole year. Anybody who listens to the podcast, he kept making those downfield catches over and over again. But I haven't seen him do it with Ben. You've never seen him do it consistently. You don't know, like totally what you have in him rather with Johnson you see the guy getting open on these crazy this route running that he has so you think that that'll translate right so I guess what I'm trying to say is after that you have nobody so what if they do draft a receiver what if like Jalen Ragor from TCU like fourth I guess he ran a slower 40 but he really looks like he runs like a 4-3 on the field what if you get a real burner there it would remind me of if there weren't if there wasn't a great like safety middle linebacker edge rusher at 49 and there was a really good receiver, it would remind me of when they took Juju. Because when they took Juju, they didn't need him. Martavis and AB were still there. And Martavis, everyone knew, okay, this is probably an insurance policy for somebody who keeps getting suspended. But it wasn't a foregone conclusion that Martavis would be gone at that point. Um, and so it was sort of a the rich get richer type of pick, but... Hey, I mean, who can imagine what a real true burner would do, not just for Ben, but what he would do to open it up for Juju. We've seen what happens when Juju can make moves underneath, what it would do for Ebron and uh, guys like that. So it's it's kind of a cool year to be a Steelers fan in the draft because you got the best draft pick, uh, first-round draft pick in the last 10 years by any team, Mink Fitzpatrick, and they could go like six different positions. 
A 49. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, Terrell Edmonds was probably our biggest disappointment, right? I mean, you're always excited to see what's coming well, in the draft. The current one, yeah. So, um... Already was tough. Unless they get a long snapper in the second round. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just hope they don't get somebody who's like... Uh, now nah, it's hard. It's hard to imagine them now that yeah, they're trying to fill up backfill, sort of the supporting cast. So it'll be a disaster. So you you talked about Cameron Hayward, by the way. You said they're trying to extend him. Yeah, he's thirty years old. Like this, how weird is that? Right? I mean, he's playing like he's twenty six, but yeah. you, we got to get his Ramon's already gone. We got to get a Super Bowl for this man. I feel like him and. Like, him and Pouncey and Ben struggled away right after the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously, Ben was there for the Super Bowls, too. But Cam was just the lone bright spot for, like, a decade on this Steelers defense. And every once in a while, I'd be like, oh, here's Shazier. He's got a buddy. Damn it. Like, oh, Ryan Clark had a good year. Uh, Timmons is back there trying his best. And now he finally has a defense around him. But, man, that'll be a sad day when Hayward retires. But hopefully they'll have a chance at the Super Bowl for him. I feel good about Cam. I mean, I just feel good yeah. about his longevity, don't you? I mean, nothing's yeah, said. Yeah, I do. So we're a little under, a little over three weeks until the draft, right? April 22nd. Which is 3rd, still going so. on. Goodell yeah, announced. Don't, yeah. Don't take away our last vestige of hope. Right. For something. I mean, look at the sports section today. Look what I had to bring up on the podcast for crying out loud. Right, right, right. So we will be back next week to continue the conversation. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 